Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Cheaper Than Therapy, a podcast that journeys into conversations that demystify, destigmatize, and desensitize what goes on both inside the therapy room and in daily life. I'm Vanessa Bennett. And I'm Danae Logan. And we are seekers, soul sisters, and holders of sacred space. Every week, we sit down for soul-provoking conversations with fellow seekers, thought leaders, change makers, and even real people during live coaching sessions as they navigate the hard work it takes to be a human. This is Cheaper Than Therapy. Finally decided that we're going to do a long weekend retreat because everyone's been asking us and we just wanted to find the perfect place. So we did. Yeah. And I think it's nice because there's something about doing a four night, three day retreat that makes it a little bit more accessible to everyone when a full week away can be tough. Totally. And, you know, we really decided to do it this time on just so many of the themes that feel alive in our work with our clients and what the, you know, the conversations we're having in our group work with clients um, around the shift in what's happening right now in the collective. Yeah. And what's happening for women. And I think it's a really unique moment in history that we're living through. You see it in so many of the conversations that are happening with, you know, the success of the Barbie movie, the way we're really challenging these patriarchal structures that we talk about constantly and how much the level of discontent and, mm-hmm. um, knowing that something needs to change within my life, but what does that look like even knowing it, right? Yeah. And I think a lot of times people are coming to us in a therapeutic setting and they're telling us that they're feeling, you know, overwhelmed, resentful, disillusioned with their life, disconnected, right? That they're struggling to really identify kind of what is theirs and what is social programming, that they want something different and bigger from their lives, but they're not really sure, like, how, what does that look like and how do I get there, right? Yeah. So we want to create a long weekend where we're going to give you some of the tangible tools that we have incorporated into our own lives that we're working with and the clients that we work with and really what it looks like to start to embody the rise of the feminine principle 
that we know this moment in history is sort of prophesized to be about for all of us, right? Hell yeah. So we're also going to walk away really understanding what it means um, to envision our life with a real authentic sense of clarity, with purpose, with aliveness. We're going to have no apologies here, right? We're going to also break down some of the limiting beliefs and where they come from, right? So we're going to get into the upbringing component. Um, why and where is all of this highly codependent, patriarchal, misogynistic kind of, um, you know, approach to life? Like, why are we carrying this, right? It's really important for us to understand and break that down. Yeah. So we're calling it the return of the sovereign feminine. It's going to be in Malibu, California, at the most beautiful estate, January 18th through 21st. And we're just really excited about this one. It feels really close to our hearts. Yeah. So you can click on either of our bio links on Instagram or social, um, or you can go to my website, vanessabena.com backslash retreats, and you can check out all information there. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. So today we're talking to Jane. And Jane, you wrote in talking about the struggle that you're having around the disillusionment of or the disillusionment, the dissolving, there we go, of a about 13 year relationship. Y'all share a two and a half year old together, right? And it sounds like based on what I read that you're struggling with communication, co-parenting, how to kind of regulate your emotions, um, be clear and kind when you guys communicate with each other, all that, all that fun stuff that comes from intimate relationship. (laughs) Can you take us into kind of more of the details of what you're struggling with? Yes. Um, so I've, uh, thank you both for inviting me on here and for all of the work that you do. Um, I've, it's probably been since March that I really found your podcast and I've just been listening to it religiously and I'm a part of the circle group and haven't, haven't caught up with everything yet, but it just feels like my situation is total textbook. Everything that, you know, you guys continue to talk about and it's helpful to know that I'm not alone. Um, but at the same time, it's like struggling to still feel like I'm doing any work other than just getting wrapped up in all of this. <laughs> um, but yes, me and my partner, we've been together for 11 years, mm-hmm. 11 to 12 years. And um, I'm recognizing our attachment styles and it's very um, anxious avoidant. Mm-hmm. I'm obviously the more avoidant or anxious side is, um, I'm already tearing up and haven't even gone into it, but, um, about every three years, it's like that cycle where I would get to the point where I couldn't do it anymore mm-hmm. and I would try to get away and walk away. Um, and then I would get pulled back in and it would be good for a little bit until it wasn't anymore. And so I think that's just done a lot of damage. And me feeling like I can't trust myself or I don't have my own back because I can't um, do that separation. And I'm also realizing that when we get to this point, so we're currently separated. um, And I'm realizing that when we get to this point, I really pull away from everybody. Mm. And um, I don't really want to talk to anybody about it. Um. I think there's a lot of shame behind that and just fear of not really knowing what to say. And I'm the type of person that, you know, if somebody asks me a question, I will do my best to answer their question. Like, it's not just, I don't like leaving people hanging. 
Um, and so I just find myself really pulling away from everybody right now. And it's, it's funny because it kind of seems like this is the time where I feel like I just, I have to get out, um, right around the holidays. And I think it's just a lot of, um, reflecting time on me and seeing where I'm at and realizing that I'm not happy in my relationship and how can I change it? And, um, but then because it's the holidays, it's very easy to get wrapped in. And it's like, even this morning we did like the handoff and, um, it's only been about three weeks, three and a half weeks. So it's still really fresh. Mm. And within this three and a half weeks, we still haven't even talked about anything. Um, and kind of how the separation ended up coming about was me personally, I felt I was just really getting really angry and, um, my interactions with him weren't able to be kind anymore because the second that, that good old defensiveness would come up in him, uh, there's no compassion for me. I just feel so unseen and so angry that I've tried so many ways, um, to get through to him. And it just seems like, uh, he's choosing not to, you know, that's what it feels like. And so I felt, um, it was just a regular morning and I was kind of, I think I was trying to reach to connect and just asking how he was feeling. And, um, it just went sideways real fast. And, and I just said, you know, I, I can't do this anymore. Like I, we cannot be in the same house anymore because the way that I'm feeling, um, and I know that it's reflecting onto my daughter. Like I'm not this type of person. I'm not this angry person, this, um, depressed or sad person. Like I'm happy. I'm full of life. I like to laugh. I like to explore. I like to do things. And when I'm with him, I feel like I can't do those things and it's changing me. And I don't want my daughter to see that. Yeah. So, um, you know, I tried to do it in, in the nicest way by just basically saying, look, you know, it doesn't mean that you got to pack your shit right now and get out of the house, but we need to take steps towards this. It was a Monday morning and it was like, we need to, it obviously probably could have been a better conversation in general, but I feel like I've tried mm -hmm. and it was just my breaking point. And so tried to say, look, you know, we can kind of have a plan where you, we can gather your stuff and, and it doesn't have to be this, I'm kicking you out. It's more, we need a reset. Mm -hmm. And, um, I didn't feel like he was able to communicate with me in that moment. And he had basically asked me three times within that hour of like, is this what you want? Is this what you want? And I just told him we can't be in the same house anymore. It's changing me. I'm becoming angry. Like I'm lashing out at you. I don't want to do this anymore. And so he basically went and packed up all of his stuff and left within, you know, an hour and a half. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's kind of, I was a little disappointed in that. It's like, okay, here we are still like, I'm trying to get us on a better path. And I feel like you just want to cut the cord and, and dip out. Um, and like I said, we still haven't really communicated about it in three weeks. And, um, so to, to bring it full circle this morning at the handoff, it's like, okay, well, what are we going to do on Thanksgiving? Right. Mm -hmm. We have a daughter. Are we going to split her in the day? Um, and things like that. And I just really tried to express, you know, well, the other day when, when I went over to, he's staying with his parents, um, 
when I went to pick up our daughter, um, you know, his mom and his older or younger than him, but older of the two sisters was in the kitchen. And I just felt like just this palpable tension, you know? And, um, so when I was expressing him, cause he invited me and us to, to his family's Thanksgiving. And I said, you know, just the other day, it was really hard for me walking into the kitchen. And, you know, I just, I just felt like I was being judged and it, it didn't feel very good. Mm-hmm. And what he immediately went to was like, well, I don't feel comfortable around your family either. Um, I don't feel support. Your mom hasn't even texted me about the situation. And, you know, and, and so it was kind of hard for me to stay in that moment and listen to him because it was like, you haven't even been around my family. You haven't even seen them, but one time, which was two days after the separation. And I've seen his family, um, like five times I've been over there. Jane, I want to ask you a little bit and, and, you know, maybe not too deeply, but I guess how, even in the beginning, were you guys ever able to have conflict in a way where there was resolution? People were were seen, we came together, we made solutions, any of that stuff. No, no, no. So this has been a dynamic that y'all have probably been in pretty much since the honeymoon phase kind of waned, I'm guessing. Oh yeah. 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 Okay. Well, I mean, Danae and I chatted a little bit before we got on. I mean, I think that this is going to be a practice for you, um, you know, more than any of the work you've done thus far, I think this relationship is really giving you lots of opportunity to be in the discomfort with yourself. Because at the end of the day, and we know this, right? Logically, we know this. We have zero control over another person, right? You mentioned in what you wrote in even that, you know, you've tried really hard to get you guys into a good place. And he just doesn't seem like he kind of wants to be there or be on board with that good place. Um, And even in that one statement that, you know, Danae and I read before we got on with you, um, there's such a, a desire in that to kind of pull him along to have him be where you think that you guys should be or that you desire the two of you to be, right? And listen, I get it. I mean, a lot of us do this, right? Um, And I think by perpetuating the, well, he just won't be where I want him to be or he just won't communicate in the way that I want him to communicate, um, we, number one, take more responsibility for something than we should do, right? Which a lot of times actually keeps us a bit in a victim state. Like it's must be something wrong with me, right? Like I'm not being chosen. I'm too much. I'm the one that there's something wrong with, because if there wasn't something wrong with me, he would choose this. He would be in the place that I want him to be in. He would be communicating with me in this way. Right. And a lot of times that belief is what keeps us stuck in this cycle of, well, if I just try a little bit harder, then maybe he'll do X, Y, and Z, or maybe they'll meet me here. Right. And that's our way of taking on more responsibility than than actually is ours. Right. It keeps us stuck. Yeah. 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 And I think that that also is kind of where I'm stuck is like, where do I let go and not do that work? Because it's it's overreaching. Mm -hmm. And where do I show up and not um, 
disassociate on, you know, because I've, I, it's almost like there's that fear of doing the work that I'm not supposed to be doing, but then I'm afraid that I'm not doing the work. Well, what's the showing up? So what does showing up look like for you? Explain that. It's, it's probably just still trying to put effort towards, um, the communication in this relationship. Regardless of the container of the relationship itself. So whether you're together or not romantically. Well, I guess it's like, because I feel like where we're at, it's, it's not, we haven't cut the cord. It's like, oh, well, we're separating, but I'm almost worried that that's not a, even a good place to be in because that's where I keep going back and doing more of, of his work. I should say where I'm expecting him to try and show up and he's not. And then it's having negative reaction from me. That anger comes out, you know? So I guess we need and to delineate so, what is your work and what is his work? Because yeah. at the end of the day, it doesn't actually matter what container the relationship is in. So whether you guys are together or not, his work is never your work to do. Right. 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 And so, I think I get stuck trying to do his work. Mm-hmm. So that's your work yeah. to put down doing his work completely. And I think mm-hmm. what's interesting about Vanessa saying that about taking responsibility, I agree. And I think the responsibility that you have been taking is a different responsibility than I would encourage you to take moving forward, Jane, which is this is something that many, 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 many of us as women do and have done and are continuing to do, which is um, I love that Vanessa asked you about what it was like in the beginning of your relationship, because what our responsibility as women a lot of times is to take ownership of the fact that we fell in love with someone's potential and we decided that I will get you to where I need you to be so that you can be someone that I can love. That's not actually the way that adults work, but it's the way that we've been conditioned to believe we can sort of mold adults into being someone that I believe that they need to be. Now, what ends up happening on a subconscious level, um, what ends up happening on a subconscious level is all of us will resist being made into who someone else believes that we need to be. It's just like our inner teenager starts to be like, no, I want you to love me for who I am or forget you, right? It's not even conscious, but it's what we do. So when I believe that you need me to be something other than I am in order for you to love me, I'll resist it forever. You guys will go around in this dance for the rest of your Mm -hmm. lives. Um, But if I say to myself, if he never changes one smidgen and that thing, the ownership I need to take, Jane, is when I was giving him the sort of maybe we should separate for a while, that was a tactic to try to like get him to move a little bit. Like, I'm serious. I mean it. And he said, Are you sure? You sure? Like calling mm-hmm. that bluff a little bit. And then when he left, you were a little like, whoa, really? Ow, to my yeah. inner kiddo. And that's a way that we abandon ourselves when we continue to put ourselves in a position for someone else to do that. But the ownership I can take and the way that I can reclaim my power is saying, I did this. I put myself in a position to attempt to mold someone into who they were showing me consistently. They didn't have the capacity to be. But what I can do for myself now is say, and I'm not going to do that anymore. Now, this is someone that you have a child with. So to Vanessa's point, you are in relationship with this man forever and ever. Amen. What it looks like moving forward, though, is a little bit of me controlling what is within my control, this guy, me, and completely surrendering. And this is 
big work for those of us co-parenting with someone in another environment. Um, completely surrender, which is what is outside of my control, which is what that other person does. Big yeah. work. Yeah. Yeah. And, and when he left, um, I wasn't like, oh my God, I can't believe he left. That's what I wanted. I was just more, I guess what I was disappointed in. And again, not, I mean, I, I understand the tactic, right? It was, it was manipulation. And, and at the beginning of the year, I, I kind of dipped into that, that tactic of, uh, you know, if we're not in therapy by this time, like you got to leave the house because we're still not making moves to better our relationship. Um, and, and I kind of had to nudge after a certain time, right. I felt the need to nudge it and say, Hey, I was serious. Literally the words that you just said, like, I was serious when I said that. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's almost the time. So like, so, so it's just, it's, it's hard. We've been together for so long. And, and I think the disappointment of the person not meeting me is just so strong, but I'm thanks to you guys. And, and, um, you know, just listening and being able to be more aware of what I'm doing, it is helpful. So when he did leave on Monday, it was just kind of like a, like a good, you know, I'm, I'm making the right choice by making this move right now, at least because I'm not able to be kind around him when we're in this current dynamic. And I don't want to not be kind. I want to, I, I want to try and create the safe space for our relationship. And I wasn't able to do that where we were. And so when he was gone, it, I did feel a big relief and I've slept great these last three weeks. Um, I mean, aside from when my daughter's not with me, those are pretty hard nights. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's, it's, um, I think right now I'm just sitting in the, dis the disappointment that's the state that I'm at is just. I want to say that too, Jane. I mean, I think also I want to put words to the fact that that is a real feeling, that feeling of disappointment, that feeling of hurt of this person's not choosing me of this person is not air quotes, like doing the things that need to be done in order for our relationship to X, Y, and Z. Like, it doesn't matter where that came from, right? Like we can unpack forever how society got us to that belief system, how our families, you know, continue to kind of create that and fuel that. But that feeling is real inside you and it hurts. The thing is, is we've got to be able to hold that very real hurt with, and I am choosing me by doing this work and by by saying exactly what you're saying, which is, I know this is not who I am. I want to be this happy person that I know I am. I want to even treat him better, right? Which I cannot do in the current structure of this relationship. All of those things that you're doing are actually the action of choosing yourself. And while it doesn't feel like it in this moment, because that hurt is so palpable, it is so like surface and right there in your face. But because all of those are action items of choosing yourself, what will end up happening is the feeling of and the action of choosing yourself over time will override the hurt of needing to be chosen by somebody else, right? And that's like so much of what Danae and I talk about around the idea of choosing the self is because we, especially as women, have been so cultured 
that we have to be chosen by somebody outside of ourselves in order to be whole, right? And so going against that looks like choosing yourself in these individual kind of micro moments, even though they don't feel like micro moments. And over time that builds up and you do remember who you are and you do come back to a state of like, oh, that's right. That's me. There's that person. There she is. Right. I lost her for a while. So I just wanted to say that to say like that pain is real. You know, we can logic our way out of it all we want. We all can sit here. We know that it came from somewhere and it's, you know, it's culture. We, we know all that. And it, it fucking hurts. I mean, I've been there. I know, yeah. you know, and, and you're doing the work right now of, of kind of expanding your tolerance for the hurt, for the discomfort that comes from initially choosing yourself. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah it does. It does. And, um, Again, like from that interaction this morning, <laughs> it's just so up and down, right? Like, sure. and that's, that's when I know that I'm doing the right thing because if he were to be back in here tomorrow and we would have an off exchange, it's like, I'm flipped like that. And I right. just, I get so angry because again, it's, it's that the person's not meeting me, right? They're not right. even trying to be able to communicate with me better. and. I don't have compassion for him yet. It's just straight anger Um, and, and anger because I feel like I'm doing this alone. And I feel like I've been doing this alone the whole time. Mm -hmm. I think what Vanessa is saying is really important in that I often say like we build a sense of self by doing the actual tangible thing of staying with ourselves. It's not something we can intellectualize our way through. We build self-esteem by keeping the promises we make to ourselves and doing esteemable acts. That is how we build our sense of self. So I want to give you a couple tangible things to think about as we're heading into this holiday season and you're in this space of separation and not knowing where this will be and what this will look like. Yeah. Which is, yeah is really destabilizing. And I just want to name, um, sometimes we have to say, I am in the eye of the like darkness right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to stay with myself here. Um, I'll share with you the first holiday season after I separated from my kid's dad was literally the darkest moment I think I've ever experienced. It was so unbelievably like I am in the abyss of like, Mm. I don't know. And it taught me so much about what I was capable of. And I want you to just like hold that as something that you remember throughout these moments when all of your societal programming, all of, you know, what your conditioning has been is I should do the thing that is, you know, self-abandoning or not what I need to do for me to keep the peace, to make his family comfortable, to make everybody else feel good about what this is. I'm going to give you a permission slip to do what you need to do to take care of yourself. And if that means I'm not going to dinner (laughs) with the people that I don't feel safe around for whatever reason, if that's what you decide you need, then you honor that. Um, The other thing that I think my therapist said to me that was like the most helpful was your child is going to have a different experience of this parent than they have of you. Now, there are ways in um, an age-appropriate way to talk to that child about what daddy's challenges or, or limitations are, but we don't actually get to control that other parent. And the longer I attempt to be in the space of attempting to control what he does and how he does it, 
not only will you create additional resistance and an inability to negotiate like where we can meet in the middle on some of these things we want to do for our child, but you will make yourself into that person. I don't like myself when I'm around him because I have to be the toxic, like snapping at him and all of those things that none of us feel good being. And so it's like big time choose my battles. Yes. As mamas, there will be some battles that need to be chosen, but choose them wisely, sister. Like not everything needs to be my way. It will be done his way. It will be different than the way you would do it a lot of times. And sometimes it's got to be like good enough. Kids. Okay. Kids safe. You know, I have a point in there. If I could jump in real quick. What if my experience is that I am being consulted on what to do? So, so he's asking me, so like even the Thanksgiving thing, it was like, so what are we doing for Thanksgiving? Mm -hmm. And I'm, and I'm trying to get better at being like, well, do you have any thoughts to just kind of invite them rather than answer the question like I normally would, which was just, you know, well, you know, and kind of problem solving and solving his problem. I, I feel like that is happening a lot where he puts all of the power in my hands. And, and so then I feel like I'm doing his work, but I'm trying not to do his work. Um, so how can I navigate those situations? So you have to get clear about what you want. Do you want to spend Thanksgiving with him? And that's not with like, if I do, it's not with an expectation of something in terms of his behavior or where I'm going to take him. But like, if we have a child together and I want to spend Thanksgiving with him and that's the way I feel, that's a clarity you give to yourself. If, you know, we are constantly in the space of like, I need you to decide how I feel about something so I can feel a feeling. That's what we call codependency. And that actually is the space that got us in this place. So I, for me, this is what I know I want to do. And if it's like, I, I just, that's not what I want this year, then with love <laughs> and as gently as I can, I communicate that. And you know, you know yeah. what? He might be disappointed and he might get upset and he, and you, you know what? And coming back to your work, your work is to sit with yourself when you realize you've disappointed someone or you feel like you've made somebody feel some sort of way, right? This is a little bit of the deprogramming of this kind of codependent nice girl syndrome that a lot of us have, which is somehow it's my responsibility to make sure everything's okay and kosher and, you know, the boat's not rocked at all times. Well, we're not doing that anymore, right? When we go back to the idea of what your work is, that is part of your work. I don't, I'm not going to make this wish. choice for us anymore. I'm going to make this choice for me. This is how I feel. And then allow him to do what he will with that. And I almost wish that he would be angry or he would be something instead of just mm. nothing, mm. you know? And I think that's what is more frustrating or painful or whatever. It's just, there's no emotion there. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, okay, fine, you know? No well, big deal. And then it's back. like. <laughs> but Jan, that goes back a little bit to what we said in the beginning, which is if you acted a certain way, it would mean something about me. Mm -hmm. If you said a certain thing, if you acted a certain way, if you responded in a certain way, then that would mean that you love me, you choose me, you care about this, right? We're still putting that outside of ourselves. Like, I just wish he would respond in this way. Well, why? Because if he did, it would mean something about me, yeah. right? And that's not true. I'm giving him that power. Right. And so we have to notice that when we're, when we're doing that, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm making up a story in my head about how he responds and how that means something about me. Right. And it doesn't. 
Sorry, I just thought time was. Yeah, sorry. I can be long-winded. <laughs> no, you're not long-winded at all. That was... I want you to, um, you know, do us a favor. I know, I know you're, you're in our community, obviously. So we'll have, we'll have an opportunity to kind of see you face to face. Um, but keep us posted, you know, especially over this holiday season, like let us know how you're doing, let us know how things are going. Um, and maybe at the end of the holiday season, we'll have you back on and we can touch base on how things have gone. Yeah, I would like that. I would like that. So my homework is to honor my thoughts and needs and choose my battles, get clear on what I want <laughs> and how to communicate that as kindly as possible and stick to it. Yes. And with no expectation of return, right? There's yeah. no going to the hardware store for peanut butter, my love. Yes. It's, you know, we go to the same person expecting a different result. And that's on me. If someone has yes. shown us they don't have the capacity to do that, we got to stop going there. It just, yeah. that's how we injure ourselves, you know? Yeah. And sitting with that hurt and knowing that it will get better. Mm. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to share it with a friend, subscribe, and give us a five-star review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you want to connect with us more, find us on Instagram at Cheaper Than Therapy, the podcast. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com